Cruise Control is your on-air automotive magazine. Go to CruiseControlRadio.com and like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. This is Cruise Control, Control. your on-air automotive magazine with co-hosts Fred Staub and Les Jackson. Everything you need to know about new and used cars. Industry news. We'll fix or repair your car on the air. Fasten your seatbelts and let us take the wheel. Your ride is about to begin because you're on Cruise Control. Cruise Control. Cruise Control. And welcome to Cruise Control, your on-air automotive magazine. It's that time again to buckle up and head out on the road to find the best automotive stories. And we're going to do it. I'm Fred Staub. He is Les Jackson. And yes, we he are, is. We're taking you on a ride around the automotive industry. We've got a lot to get to this hour on the show with Mercedes revealing its electric flagship, the EQS. This is... Basically going to be the replacement for the S-Class eventually. Yeah, and it's going to be spectacular and expensive. (laughs) And keeping on the electric, uh, because let me tell you, we're going to be talking a lot about electrics from now on. Uh, Mazda is taking the wrap off their first battery electric, the MX-30. Yeah, that is uh, cool stuff. I I think it will cost a little bit less than the uh, Mercedes. So I dare say you'll be able to buy several. Yep. And then uh, chip woes, big story mm. in the industry. The supply problems persist, and now it's cutting into the production numbers at Honda, GM, and Nissan. So we'll talk about that. Yes, indeed. And Volkswagen brings back the GTX. GTX. Wait a minute. What? <clears throat> Wait, wasn't that another brand? Well, yes, it was. Are they bringing black back Plymouth as well? Uh, I doubt it. <laughs> I can't speak for Volkswagen, but I doubt it. Mm. Uh, but no, GTX. Yeah, we'll tell you what it is. And talking about delving into history, Mustang maintains its sporty car sales lead. And celebrates its 57th birthday. It's middle age, Les. Mm-hmm. And the car could have looked completely differently. Uh, but we're kind of glad how it came out. It could have looked quite different. We're going to delve into yeah. the uh, Ford archives with our guest, Ted Ryan, who is Ford's archives and heritage brand manager. So that's all coming up on Cruise Control, your on-air automotive magazine it's the show you're dialed into. Don't forget to shoot on over to our Facebook page or our website, cruisecontrolradio.com, and you can like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter. It's all there. Check out the YouTube channel. We've been putting a lot of content up there, and we've yep. been getting a lot of people checking it out, and we want you to do that. So head on over to cruisecontrolradio.com. There's links for all of that. Um, yes, the the torrent of new vehicle reveals is not slowing whatsoever. There's more next week. No. Um, and, you know, what's interesting is some of them are being revealed in different places. Uh, matter of fact, Cadillac is going to reveal their Lyric in Shanghai, and people were a little concerned about that. It's still built in the U.S. The batteries are built in the U.S. Problem is, no auto shows here. So that's why they're revealing it there. And and they realize that they will have a very large market there. We sure will. 
Hey, when we come back, more Cruise Control with Fred Staub and Les Jackson. Stay tuned. Cruise Control is live every Saturday from 10 a.m. to 12 noon Eastern on Facebook and YouTube. For the latest news on new models, automotive tech, industry insider interviews, and new vehicle reviews, tune in live starting at 10 a.m. Eastern every Saturday on YouTube and Facebook Live. Cruise Control. Hey, welcome back to Cruise Control. I'm Les, he's Fred, and we, as promised, are going to start off with uh, electric vehicles because we got a lot of them. I'm finding Big less one. every, almost every story is about electric yep. vehicles. Well, uh, you know, uh, here's the future. Yep. And we're on top of it. And uh, right at the top of this list is the Mercedes uh, EQS. Now, this is their flagship all electric. Uh, I just, I, you know, I, I think we'd have to sell the house to, <laughs> to pay for it. Yeah. But it, just looks like it's going to be spectacular. Yeah, it sure does. I mean, this is going to be their electric flagship. It uh, Two years ago, it was revealed as the Vision EQS concept. It debuted in the Geneva, uh, in Geneva, at I guess at the auto show there. But um, right. it is, of course, all electric. It has incredible range, uh, well over uh, 400 miles, I believe, 516 horsepower, 611 pound-feet of torque, 0 to 60 in 5.5 seconds. That's uh, because it's pretty heavy, I guess. Um, drag uh, Lowest drag coefficient of any production car, uh, 0.20. Wow. Um, that's that's as slick as a lot of fighter airplanes. And it does it with that kind of cab forward look with the short hood and mm -hmm. the and the dashboard sort of out over the hood. Um, very cool looking vehicle. They haven't skimped on the wheels, have they? They put some big wheels on there. Yep, up to 21 inches. Here's the big takeaway, Les. It's going to be able to get 186 miles of range from the charger, the special charger, in 31 minutes. Hmm. Oh, 15 minutes. I'm sorry. and 15, 16 minutes. Yeah, 15 minutes to get 186 miles of range, 31 minutes to charge from 10 to 80%. So, and then a standard 240-volt wall box takes 11.25 hours to charge from 10% to 100%. At least yeah. that's now, but to put that 16 minutes in perspective, you're driving along, you on the interstate, you pull over at the rest stop, uh, you start charging, you walk inside casually like you always do, <laughs> you use the restroom, you go over uh, to get yourself a coffee mm -hmm. or an iced tea. Um, uh, you wait for whoever's with you to come out of the restroom, and then you come back to the car like you would any other car, and easily 16 minutes has gone by. I said if you if you get iced tea, you'll guarantee you will be stopping for another You'll be stopping off. Charge in, in about a half hour, yeah. Um, interesting uh, concept, Les. The idea here, and I think this might become a common one, is you don't have to have 100% charge, because think about this. Yeah, that's right. 
Uh, most people drive when they're on a road trip about 400 plus miles a day. So that's basically two charges. Yeah. And most people uh, don't wait until the car, the tank is empty when they stop for gas. The average car uh, keeps about three eighths of a tank in the tank yeah. of gas in the tank. So uh, as long as you know, there's a charging station, uh, which the system, I guarantee you, in this car will tell you. <laughs> yes. Uh, that's that's a given. Um, just drive it like a regular car. Now, there's plenty of the other technology to talk about. That's the big technology that I think a lot of people would be interested in. What's the range? How long does it take to charge? Yeah. There's the MBUX hyperscreen. It's a massive 55-inch screen that stretches the entire width of the cabin. There's a 12. That's a little daunting. That's a little daunting, right? There's a uh, another 12.3 inch digital gauge cluster. And uh, it has all kinds of things like uh, heated leather seats, rear headrest pillows, a 3D sound system, panoramic sunroof, all those things you think of. Uh, and then there are 350 sensors that monitor everything from distances, speeds, acceleration to lighting conditions, speech, and even the driver's blink of an eye. Boy. So, so this enables uh, the car to, through uh, artificial intelligence, to learn the occupant's habits and make personalized suggestions for infotainment and comfort functions. You know this is coming. It's coming. Uh, by the way, it has rear wheel steering. Yeah, about 10%. So yep. uh, pretty cool. Mercedes and, uh, pricing, EQS. Yeah, pricing is coming in the fall because they've run out of numbers. <laughs> All right. When we come back, we're going to give you some more numbers on some great cars coming up. So stay tuned. We'll talk about something a little less expensive from Mazda. Check out the live show on our YouTube page, Cruise Control, Saturdays at 10 a.m. Eastern, live on YouTube. Cruise Control. And welcome back to Cruise Control Radio, your on-air automotive magazine. I'm Fred Staub, and he is Les Jackson. We're glad you're along for the ride. <laughs> uh, let's talk about something a little bit more affordable when it comes to electric cars less uh, it is uh, decidedly a little less expensive than what we were looking at before this is the mx30 it is the mazda mx30 the brand's first battery electric vehicle uh, it will have 144 horsepower 200 foot pound of torque and it will have a 35.5 kilowatt hour lithium ion battery that can be charged to about 80% within 36 minutes using DC charging. Yeah, which is, you know, it's just fine. Um, it's not a long time. Um, uh, we talked earlier about the doors. What do those doors remind you of? Uh, they remind me of a sporty car with eight in the name. 
the uh, RX-8. The RX-8, yes. Which I love. Those were great fun to drive. We're talking about the. there's a set of little doors that kind of open up behind the driver's doors right. uh, to allow access. It's technically a two-door, but it has these little, what they used to call suicide doors that swing out and allow you to get into the back seat. Um, yeah, I, th- I think it's time that... You know, they go with this. It's interesting that they uh, have put together a car that was developed from scratch to be a battery electric vehicle, which probably means their current vehicles could not be electrified um, Mazda. And uh, I think um, I think we're going to see a lot more of this type of vehicle. Now, what's the range? We were both looking for this during the break. I don't think we have a range on it. I don't think it's going to be a, a big range on the vehicle though. No, I think it's going to be maybe 200 miles, 200. Yeah. Something like that. Um, I think the floor has to be really 250. You look at the bolt, I think. Yeah. Unless of course you have the, uh, the plug-in hybrid version. Yeah. And that's uh thank you, Les. I almost forgot to mention that. They are going to have a plug-in hybrid version. It's going to have a rotary engine on board. Yep. I mean, now think about this. We're talking about a, a rotary engine, a single, no doubt, a single rotor, uh, powering a generator. This thing is probably going to be on the order of a foot in diameter and maybe two feet long total. It's like the one engine, of, the engine, and the generator. It's like one of those Renwall models, right? Yeah. Uh, this is this is a great idea. Yeah, I I agree. I agree. I, it really is. So uh, that's more. We'll have more about the MX30. I'm sure as it uh, becomes available. Right. Absolutely. Uh, I'm I'm looking forward to driving this when it uh, when we get them uh, available to us, which uh, usually is probably late summer. Wouldn't you think? I would think so. I would think so, yeah. Well, let's talk about a problem that has been plaguing the automotive industry, and that oh, is boy. the uh, chip shortage, right? It is. It has become a big problem, and if you think it's not a big problem, just listen to this next story. It involves what's going on at Nissan, and it is uh, the fact that they're losing out on 500,000 sales because of mm. the chip. The chip problem. They just can't get the chips. Honda and Nissan. Honda and Nissan to sell a quarter million fewer cars because of the chip shortage. Now That's a huge number of cars. Yeah, sure is. It sure is. And the problem is, Les, that these are built in Taiwan, which may not be the most stable place right about now to be building anything, right? That's right. Uh but why why would there just be one single uh location for the for the chips chip builders that is a great question i don't think anyone has answered that as of yet um you know the only thing that's come out is that volkswagen is is sort of blamed its uh suppliers and uh they're hinting at a, a lawsuit at their suppliers um it is bad to have, and, and any anyone will tell you this in business, is bad to just have one source of parts, right? Well, I can promise you that won't be the case when this little issue is solved. I've heard that they're talking about building up uh, 
ca capability to build these things in Europe because, of course, with the world being the way it is, uh, Taiwan could be a difficult place to get it, parts it out. It could of. very well be, yeah. Yeah. So uh, if you are waiting for a vehicle and uh, you're told, well, we don't, we have, they built the vehicle, but they don't have some chips for it, why don't you drop us a, uh, uh, a note down in uh, our uh, comment section? Uh, on Facebook or YouTube and let us know if you told like, hey, I wanted to buy this Silverado pickup, but, uh, you know, it's built, but they, they don't have all the chips for it and it's just sitting somewhere. Mm -hmm. Let us know. There was a picture uh, that I came across of uh, Volkswagen and they had ID4s just sitting there in a big lot and they were all missing parts. You know, they were all missing the chip, and they couldn't do anything with them. They were just there. I think it was the uh, red color vehicle. I think that might be the uh, launch version of it, or is it in blue? But it's, uh, you know, I, I'm trying to remember the last time the industry would, uh, had a big supply problem. I remember it was, what, maybe 25 years ago? Uh, that's but I can't remember what it was. Probably around the time they went to just in time. That's the other problem. Nobody, yeah, nobody yeah. stockpiles things. It's like, well, we're going to build, uh, we're going to build a hundred cars today, so we need a hundred parts today. We're not going to pile them up in a back room or something. Yeah, and we'll get a hundred more parts overnight from the supplier. Yeah, for tomorrow, uh, and that's just dandy uh, until it doesn't work. It's all fun until someone loses an eye. That's the what they say. Yeah. Right? <laughs> uh, it, it just seems to me, if you're going to have just-in-time inventory, you you must, mandatory, you must have multiple uh, sources. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And, and typically, as we know, when they build a factory in the U.S., they have all the suppliers within... 20 minutes yeah, so they're very close hey we're running it we're gonna do a second shift today no problem we'll we'll truck those things over there but with chips they just can't do it and um i don't know if other industries are experiences electronic industries wherever they go uh, i think someone told me playstations are having the same problem uh that you can't get a, a playstation 5 because of chips so this mm -hmm. could go well beyond the automotive industry. So we'll keep you up to date on that, on cruise control. Uh, also, we've got another story before the break. Uh, this is an interesting one. We're going to talk about history in our next segment with Ted Ryan, who's Ford's Archives and Heritage brand manager. But let's talk a little history here. Volkswagen is going to bring out performance versions of their electric vehicles, the ID4. And the model name is going to be ID4 GTX. And if you think you've heard that name before, Les Jackson, well, it was introduced in 1967 yep. by Plymouth. And it was a kind of an upscale muscle car. And uh, it ran through the 1971 model year. Do you think Mark Orman of uh, Graveyard Cars is upset about this? I'm sure he is. Um, <laughs> But there's nothing he can do about it. No, um, it's beyond his control. Just, just don't don't own the uh, the name the the designation. Do you think when uh, when Plymouth went away, they just kind of had a fire sale? They just let all that stuff expire because you 
you have to just yeah. keep this up. And sometimes manufacturers just, you know, they just keep the uh, name going and they, they just keep the uh, copyright up, even though they might not want to use it just to prevent someone else. Yeah, from and it. you do have to pay the uh, patent and trademark office uh, yearly fees to to um, keep your patent or your copyright. Um and I, I didn't realize that there were yearly fees, but my friend Glenn, you know Glenn, um, mm. who retired from the patent office, was telling me about that, that, well, uh, that you have to pay it. Well, we'll be right back with Cruise Control right after Got this. Got a topic or a vehicle you'd like Cruise Control to cover? Leave us a comment on our Cruise Control Radio Facebook page. Cruise Control. And welcome back to Cruise Control with Fred Staub and Les Jackson. We are glad you're along for the ride, and we've got a great segment coming up. We're celebrating a birthday in the automotive industry, 57 years young, the Ford Mustang. And who better to tell us about it than Ted Ryan, who is Ford's Archives and Heritage Brand Manager. Now, Ted, you should tell us where you are and what you're doing. Well, right now I'm at Michigan Central Station and I am sitting in a 2021 Mach 1 Mustang as we're doing a Mustang Day rally. Over 250 Mustangs were here, everything from a 1964 and a half uh, vintage one. I saw a bunch of GTs out here and we're doing a 20 mile run to Ann Arbor and then we're going to end up at Ford's uh, garage in uh, Dearborn, uh, the home of the Mustang. Gee, I, I must have lost my invitation to that. <laughs> looking all over for it. Uh, well, Ted, we always say you have one of the best jobs. And I think out of, uh, out of any of the brands, Ford does a great job, and it's probably due to you, of keeping the archives going and keeping them open. And uh, we wanted to look at some of the uh, early designs of the Mustang, and there was a bit of a competition, wasn't there, between a bunch of different groups within Ford to come up with the Mustang look. I guess they were given marching orders. Hey, we want a two-door sporty car basically around this size. And then let's see what you got, right? That's it, exactly. <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> They're doing another read, uh, interview right near me. Uh, the, uh, but you had it 100% correct. The... Uh, uh, there was a competition. It was a quick one, too. We knew that we needed a sporty car uh, to, to appeal to the youth market. Uh, so they had the three different design studios uh, from Ford compete against each other. Lincoln Mercury, Advanced, which had just brought us the GT or was in the middle of bringing us the GT, uh, and then the Ford studio. And they each submitted different clay models. Uh, yeah, you've got the driver's side of the Ford studio entry. That was the one that was eventually chosen. Uh, in a minute, I think you'll show the passenger side and you'll notice a little bit different. So those eight clay models, can you put yourself back on August 16th, 1962, and you've got Henry Ford II, Lee Iacocca, Don Fry, William Clay Ford, all looking at these clay models, picking out what is going to be the sporty car for Ford. Where was this uh, happening? It was outside. Today, someone would fly a drone over there and it would be it would be on YouTube like in five minutes. I see a a Thunderbird in the back there. Um, you do. And I, this I, was the design studio. Now, the the look of the Mustang that eventually got chosen, it had a little bit different uh, headlight system, sort of an oval headlight system, maybe a European system. 
which looked actually really good, but I guess they just couldn't get that past um, the U.S. Uh, uh, NHTSA team, probably, at the time. <laughs> but, uh, but really, when you look at the design that the Ford Group came up with, except for the passenger side, which has a different sort of vent in the quarter panel, it looks very close to the Mustang that came out. It does. And uh, in the background, you can see some of the other entries. That other one, you saw the Lincoln Mercury in, in the background. Uh, that design, uh, the, the, this was at the courtyard of the design studio. And, and they always did two showings for every clay. Uh, the round building that you can see behind you in, uh, on the left in the photo was the interior of the design studio. But you, in, in natural light, the cars look different. So they always brought them outdoors as well. Yeah. Uh, so every... Every showing, two different showings, indoors and outdoors. All right. And was that was that badge uh, just to the to the on the side, just to the rear of the of the headlight? Was that uh, an engine, you know, V eight or two sixty two eighty nine? It was. It was an engine moniker. And if you go back to that photo, you'll note that the logo on the front, the animal in the front of the car, is not a horse. It's actually a cougar, because at <laughs> this particular. At this particular point in time, the project was being called the Special uh, Falcon Project. So essentially, they're taking the Falcon frame and trying to figure out how to put a sports car on it. It was also called the T5, but the Cougar was the leading name oh, yeah. for it all the way up until the end of it. Wow. When they switched over to Mustang. Yeah. Now, let's look at, let's look a little bit at what the uh, Lincoln Mercury Group had involved. And it's interesting to me. You have the Lincoln Mercury designers now designing a Ford. Was that common, Ted, uh, to have different uh, marks within the uh, within the brand, kind of designing for each other? I was it just an art thing, like let's get as many ideas as possible. I guess it was a competition. It was a Lee Iacocca driven competition where he said, uh, "Let's do this, but let's make sure that we've got the best minds that Ford Motor Company has to offer." and uh, have them compete against each other. Uh, so the, the, all the different studios didn't typically compete like this. I see I see elements of what later became the Mercury Capri yeah. on that one. Yeah, uh, on that one. The, and the first one we saw, yeah. there are elements of what became the 67 Cougar, Mercury Cougar. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So Nothing. no good idea gets wasted, guys. No, <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, we are talking with Ted Ryan, who is Ford's Archives and Heritage Brand Manager, sitting and a brand new Mach 1 Mustang getting ready to roll out. He's got a great Mustang uh, Day um, sweatshirt on there, which I think looks really cool. Let's look at the other group that was uh, trying to build uh, the next Mustang. And this was, what What do they call them, a special design group? Uh, special vehicles group, special design. But essentially, that was the team uh, that would later bring us the Ford GT40. Wow. Uh, and they re. And they, they did the concept cars, the show cars. So they had done the Mustang one previously. I, I think that's the Allegra there. I'm going from memory, uh, which was another one of the concept cars that directly led to the Mustang itself. Some of these uh, uh, designs, like the taillights, they were... That 62 was T-Bird there. Yeah, yeah. Yep. They, they really recycled these for for, you know, down the line. Like, hey, it's a good idea for on that grill, but... Now see, that's, that's a 67... Uh, Boss, Ford Fairlane. Uh, Fairlane, yeah. That yep. looks like an opal in the front. That one. That looks opalish. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I like the hood scoop though. So it, this is what's great, Ted. It gives us uh, an idea. Everyone was trying, trying their best, and 
I don't know whether it's we're just used to it, but thank God the Mustang came out the way it did. Some of these other designs, <laughs> while they may have been good for another car or elements of them, were certainly integrated into other cars. I'm glad the Mustang came out the way it did. I'm with you. And, and uh, for your listeners, if they want to see all these pictures on their own, too, they can go to media.ford.com. Uh, and I'm excited. We released not only these photos, but we released a number of documents. Uh, you can see the actual blue letter signed by Lee Iacocca uh, going to Henry Ford II, um, authorizing the beginning of the Mustang program, dated uh, December 1962. And, and you can read the rationale behind why we wanted a Mustang. We had to compete with the Monza. It was there. The, uh, we were losing the youth market. And Lee Iacocca was determined to create a sporty car that would appeal to the youth market. I always like to say, a generation was looking for its own car. They wanted their own music and they got Elvis and the Beatles. They wanted their own car and they got the Mustang. I think that's true. And, and there's something about the look of the Mustang, which in and of itself uh, is, is, is just something you sort of, everybody sort of fell in love with it. From the very beginning, it's, yeah. it's not too many things that are an instant classic, but the numbers are astounding. We sold a million Mustangs in the first two years. And the, the, we documented the Mustang mania where people were sleeping outside of dealerships to be the first one in <laughs> uh, the next day to buy it. On the first day, 22,000 orders alone on the very first day, April 17th, mm -hmm. 1964. That uh, one of my, I've got a picture I've got, of me and my dad and his 60, uh, 66 Mustang. And I've got a picture of me and my boys with my 2021 Mustang. So uh, it's a it's a car that still gives. Wow, yeah, that is that is amazing. It really is. And and let's think about this. This was smart business sense too. They basically took the Falcon, which was an inexpensive car, and made it into a sporty car and a sporty car that everyone could buy, or most people could. And buy. they they did it. And the cost. And if, if people go to, to the website uh, media.ford.com and look at those documents. You'll see that cost was a critical factor. We needed to keep the cost low uh, because the new generation didn't have much money. Uh, you couldn't build uh, an expensive car. So the base cost was low, but then you could accessorize it. You could turn it into anything you wanted. You could make it a muscle car. Uh, you could make it, uh, you could keep it plain and keep the cost down. Uh, out of the first million, this is my favorite Mustang stat of all time. Uh, 889,000 people got them with the radios but 110,000 people didn't. Can you imagine <laughs> wow. owning a Mustang? <laughs> wow. You own a Mustang, but you don't get a radio. That makes well, I mean, the radio must have been about $8. <laughs> they didn't want pop for the $8 AM yeah. radio. Uh, and probably, Ted, those are very collectible because they have the blank off plate in there with no radio in there. But, uh, yeah, really neat stuff. We are talking with Ted Ryan, Ford's Archive and Heritage Brand Manager. Ted, I hope you can – Keep with us after the break because uh, we've got plenty more information we'd like to learn about the uh, Mustang, and we're celebrating. Tell us a little bit about what's going on there. We will be right back after the break with more Cruise Control and Ted Ryan live from the cockpit of a Mach 1 Mustang, which is pretty exciting. And uh, he will give us more about the history and what's going on currently with the Mustang. So stay tuned to Cruise Control, your on-air automotive magazine. Get even more automotive content from Cruise Control. Head over to our Cruise Control YouTube page and subscribe. 
Cruise Control. And welcome back to Cruise Control. We're glad you're along for the ride. I'm Fred Staub. He is none other than Les Jackson. And we are talking about incredible vehicles, of course. Uh, one, well, that's the Mach-E, which is an incredible vehicle. And we're going to be talking more about that. But we were talking with uh, Ted Ryan, who is sitting in a Mach-1 Mustang somewhere in Michigan. Right, Ted? I'm right outside of Michigan Central Station in Corktown, uh, uh, Michigan, is what it's called. The, the giant train station the Ford is restoring. And I'll flip my camera around before we uh, end and show you so where that's, it is. That's why the caboose was there at the uh, front gate. <laughs> yes, that's it. And and where uh, now when you join in with the with the uh, I guess the caravan, uh, how many miles uh, will you drive? It's about a 25 mile round trip circuit. We're gonna drive from uh, from the Michigan Central to uh, Ann Arbor. We're gonna drive by Haggerty headquarters. Uh, we're gonna uh -huh. go to Ypsilanti, uh, down through Plymouth and we're gonna finish at the famous Ford's garage. If anybody's been to Dearborn, uh, yeah. it's a classic place that uh, as a series of, uh, I'm gonna turn the camera on for a second. You can see another Mach 1 driving in. Oh yeah. Uh, hmm. That's a sweet color, isn't it? Yeah, I can. Uh, you know, it's an interesting grayish. Yeah. I it's guess it's gray. It's almost got a little GT40 look in there with the orange and the stripe there. It does. And believe me, for Ford employees, uh, for the media staff in particular, when we get to take out these cars, it is such a special moment. Uh, so she just took it around for a quick spin and, and bringing it back, and then somebody else is going to get to drive it after it's been sanitized. So uh, it, it's a great day. It, it's a fun day that brings Mustang lovers together. We're celebrating the 57th birthday of Mustang, uh, and we're doing it in grand style. Before we get off today, too, guys, I'm going to have to start my car and let you listen to the rumble. Oh, yeah, do it. We like oh, we like the audio. Uh, here we go. Yeah. This doesn't. Hold on. I'm in sport mode now. Not a bad sound there. I don't hear it. <laughs> I didn't hear it. Oh, you're not hearing it? Oh, no. Hold on, hold on. Oh, now I hear now it. Now we hear it, yeah. I thought you were had in, in the good neighbor mode there, uh, Ted. No. No, <laughs> I was. I had to hold the phone outside the car to, to get the sound. <laughs> uh, cool stuff. No, that sounds like a great, great thing. I mean, um, was, was the Mustang's future ever in doubt? As far yeah, quite a, quite a few times actually. Uh, the oil crisis hit hard, uh, and there was question as whether we should continue it in the '70s. Luckily, the the one being designed at that moment was a smaller, more fuel efficient one. And there have been other times, but not anymore. Uh, frankly, the the Mustang for the second year in a row is the best selling sports car in the world. Best selling sports car in the world, mm. guys. Fifteen percent wow. of the global market That's is crazy. Mustangs. That's crazy. Yeah. It's always been Ford versus Chevy, and it seems like you're winning that hands down when it comes versus uh, Camaro. And uh, I've always said one of the reasons that I can see out of the Mustang, I can't see out of the Camaro. <laughs> Just, exactly. <laughs> which is always and, fun to do when you're driving to see where yeah. you're going. And, and, and the Mustang uh, appeals to a broader segment of the uh, of the population. More more women are drawn to Mustangs from the beginning, 42% of them. Yeah. 42% of sales the first two years were to women. Wow. Uh, so it's always been a car that, that uh, appeals to 
all demographics. It, you know, to me, Mustang can be summarized in three words, design, uh, power, and fun. Wow. That, yep. That's what a Mustang has always been. It's a beautifully designed, uh, particularly when Shelby got a hold of them, powerful. And they're just fun cars to own and fun cars to drive. Yeah. You look at the current ones. I think they're beautiful. I really do. And, and the fact that there's so many different specialty models available uh, and and just a GT is, is a great car. As you were saying, one of the best sounding cars from the factory. You don't need to do anything to it. But if you do want to do something to it, uh, Ford Performance Parts has some great, great things you can bolt on. Uh, also, one of the most modifiable cars, uh, the, the most parts out there. Now, there's the Mach-E. We can certainly see uh, that's the Mach-E GT. We can certainly see uh, the lineage comes through, doesn't it? It does. And the Mach-E, people, uh, Mustang uh, aficionados had a little bit of an issue when we put the pony badge on the Mach-E. But I think that the, the proof is in the pudding. It's a sporty car. It's a stylish car. It's a powerful car. You know, when you uh, turn on oh, your yeah. lights, the lights come on. When you hit the light switch, when you hit the accelerator in a electric, it goes. There, there, you don't have the delays that you have with uh, internal combustion. So it's powerful, it's sporty, and it's fun. Every Everything I just described of a Mustang is what the Mach-E has. And, and so far, it's getting rave reviews. Yeah, I think you could probably make the case that, that especially in a vintage one, but most any of them, every hour you spend in a Mustang doesn't count toward your life. <laughs> uh, wow, that would really, that will really increase. Ted, you better get like, going on those sales. Here. Like a, I don't think you can guarantee that. <laughs> well, your doctor recommended my Ford Mustang. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. And the, to me, the, the Mustang itself, it's just, it's a different vehicle. Uh, and you talked about the Camaro, but to me, the Mustang, it doesn't really have a competition. I know it does, but it, it is, it's its own nameplate. It and Bronco and F-Series uh, and then the performance are what stand apart at Ford. When you see, when you hear Ford GT, you know what you're seeing. When you hear Mustang, you know, the identifiable symbols that come with just a nameplate. And, and for a how many vehicles have had a 57-year uh, uninterrupted nameplate life? Not too many. No. Um, and it, it's exciting for the Mustang. Yeah, we are talking with Ted Ryan, is. who is uh, Ford's Archives and Heritage brand manager. Ted, here's the question. When you go to these events, do you see any Mustang 2s? Or the elusive hatchback Mustang too, which I thought was a good car. I mean, it maybe didn't have a lot of power, but I thought it. I thought it kind of looked nice with the body color bumpers. I didn't see any today, but I do at Woodward Dream Cruise. Uh, when and if we ever get to do a, another Dream Cruise, uh, I'll, you'll see some Mustang twos. You see a lot of the Shelby, a lot of the the people who are going to show up with their Mustangs that usually either have a vintage one that's been restored perfectly. I saw a couple of 289s out there, or you'll see a lot of GT350s and GT500s and a lot of Shelby um, Guardsman Blue uh, uh, paint schemes, uh, a lot of red ones. It was a yeah. special one today, guys. It's a guy in Michigan, and he, he did his Mustang as a tribute to the Tuskegee Airmen. Oh, and, wow. Uh, wow. Right, red and it's tail. done. Yeah. Exactly as one of the planes was done with the pilot's name and everything and the kill symbols on the side of the car. Uh, and once again, people have a passion for Mustang and their passions come through in the way that they uh, 
showcase the Mustangs. And is that true that it was named after the P-51D Mustang? Because let's face it, we weren't that far out of uh, World War II, and the Mustang it, it was, was a great plane. It, it had a dual naming dichotomy, the uh, P-51 Mustang, but that was the Mustang one initially. Uh, but as we mentioned earlier, Cougar was uh, being strongly considered as a nameplate. Uh, but eventually they came back to the Mustang one and the, the equity that had been built there and the P-51. But then at the same time, we know that the Bronco is being planned. Uh, so the idea was to have a Western theme and a stable. So uh, the very first mm -hmm. press announcement announced this, uh, for the Bronco said, you know, another a pony in the stable. Uh, so the name was changed just months before the um the everything was finalized on the car to change it over to Mustang. Thank goodness. <laughs> and I remember World's Fair, right? It was revealed in the New York World's Fair. Uh, I remember, I believe they had a, a display where you could ride in them. You know, they were on a track or something. They weren't, and the wheel was locked in place. I remember sitting, I think, on my dad's <laughs> lap saying, I can't turn the steering wheel. How can I, how can I drive this thing? The thing is locked in place. 100% correct. Introduced at the New York World's Fair, and that ride was actually designed by Walt Disney. And you got in, uh, not initially, initially you got in different Ford vehicles and you went around uh, this ride, but uh, halfway through the World's Fair, they changed them all over to be Mustangs. So you would right. sit in a Mustang and take a ride, a Walt Disney uh, journey through time. All Man. right. Well, Ted, you, we always have to have you back because you take us back. Uh, into the world of Ford, and that's great. We appreciate it. Hey, it's time for me to say I'm Fred Staub. I'm Les Jackson. We are going to see you down the road. Bye. Cruise Control is your on-air automotive magazine. Go to cruisecontrolradio.com.